Good morning, Redeemer Church of Dubai. Man, it is a blessing and a privilege for me to join you this morning, albeit virtually, but just to be with you and to be able to preach God's word. It's hard to believe it's been almost two and a half years since myself, Nikki, Eva, and Phoebe said farewell to you and, and moved back to South Africa. Oh, to be honest, it hasn't been the easiest of transitions. I mean, one would think that moving back to your home country would be easy, right? But you very quickly realize that just as you have changed as you've been away, so has the country, as, as well as those whom you knew before you left. But by God's grace, he has sustained us, he has encouraged us, and we still have the opportunity to interact and engage with many of our dear friends at Redeemer. I even had the opportunity to sit in a GCC class a few weeks ago, and we've absolutely loved watching and, and listening to the, the online things that Redeemer has been posting during the lockdown. Well, man, we are living in interesting times, aren't we? I mean, a worldwide pandemic that has left a wake of fear, anxiety, and everyone standing at least one meter away from each other. I believe the word that has been used more than any other to describe what this time has been like is the word unprecedented. Here's a bit of random information. Did you know that every year the American Dialect Society, they, they make assessments as to what the most important words or expressions have been during the year and then declare it as the word of the year? I think it's safe to say that the word unprecedented has a really good shot of being named as the word of the year for 2020, right? The word unprecedented, as we're thinking about it, can be defined as this. Something that has never been done before or known before. I think that we can all agree that according to this definition, these are without unprecedented times. After all, no one alive today has any idea of, of what it's like to live through a global pandemic, right? But I mean, because in church community, I mean, there's plenty of situations that the body of Christ goes through that we have an idea of how to respond, of what to do so that we can support, we can encourage, rejoice with, or even mourn with one another. Things like the loss of a job, struggle with sin, the birth of a child or the death of a loved one. But if a situation is unknown, where do we go? Who or what do we turn to? And to be honest, there have been times over these last few months of lockdown where you know, we haven't been allowed to leave our homes or, or have access to certain goods and services where, where I've literally felt like I'm in pr prison. Perhaps you have too. You felt imprisoned, not bound up by chains or, or prison bars, but by the effects of an unseen virus. And it's not just feeling bound up that has impacted us. I mean, this virus has had an impact on so many aspects of our lives, from our income, perhaps with pay cuts or even loss of work, to the way that it's impacted the ability for us to care for our loved ones. And not only those who are living with us, who, who live under our roofs, but those back in our home countries. 
this virus may have even impacted your health or even taken the very life of some who may be closest to you. In many ways, the world as we know it has never felt as vulnerable as it does right now. And yet, as we look at this text, as we consider Paul bound in prison awaiting execution, the hope he's holding on to is the very same hope that we must cling to today. So, if you haven't already done so, let me encourage you to turn to the passage that Mama Happy read for us, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 to 13. Now, it's widely agreed that this letter addressed to his spiritual son, Timothy, was the last letter written by the Apostle Paul. He wrote it sometime between AD 64 and AD 68 from a Roman prison, where not only was he bound with chains, as he said, but he's facing death. All of this for proclaiming the gospel. Look at verses 8 and 9. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. Now, even in the face of death, Paul's attention is on an unshakable hope. Even as he's been deserted, he's been thrown into prison with no one coming to his defense. In the midst of all of this, he's encouraging Timothy. Timothy, look to Christ. Remember Jesus risen. Why? Why would he go there? I mean, it's not as if Timothy was in danger of forgetting this truth, despite the opposition that he may be facing, whatever's going on. It's because in saying that Christ Jesus was raised from the dead, he is reminded that this life is temporary. You know, we don't live with the expectation of what this life has for us, but we live in expectation of a future hope. Christ being raised from the dead is one of the most important truths in the entire Bible. Why? Well, because as Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians, if Christ has not been raised, well, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We're even found to be misrepresenting God. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, well, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Friends, if Christ did not walk out of the tomb, then here is a stark, stark reality. Each and every one of us might as well just crawl into a tomb and wait for the inevitable. But, but, thanks be to God that Christ has risen and Paul has such a certainty of this truth. Why? Well, here's one reason. Look back at verse 9. Jesus Christ is the offspring of David. Paul is referring to this promise that God made to King David that the Lord, the Lord would establish a forever king on David's throne. You can read all about this in 2 Samuel. God was faithful. He was faithful to fulfill that promise. And the same rings true for us. Sorry, rings true for Christ rising from the dead and establishing eternal life. Paul says that this is what he preached in his gospel. This was part of what he would proclaim to Jews and to Gentiles, to rulers and to rebels, to the simple and to the learned alike. Now, before we go any further, 
Before we go any further in this text, I think we need to pause. We need to ask the question, what is the gospel? What was Paul proclaiming? And we need to make sure that we understand it because to assume this, to be unclear on this message, to confuse what it is and what it means in any way carries with it eternal consequences. So where do we begin? Well, the the best place to start is where Paul starts, with God. The God who made the world and everything in it. The Lord of heaven and of earth. You see, God created everything as a display of his glory. Psalm 19.1 tells us that the heavens, the very heavens, declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Paul writes in his letter to the Romans that God's invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. Essentially, what Paul is saying is that you cannot look at the world around you and say, There is no God. God has made himself known to us. I mean, think about it. When you witness an incredible sunset with with stunning hues of red and purple and and orange and that purple and gray that, that kind of flashes off the clouds, do you realize that that is God declaring his glory? I mean, how can we not fall to our knees and glorify him in those moments? But it wasn't just the world that God created. He created us. He created humans, starting with Adam and Eve. And we were created to be in a perfect relationship with God, living in his place under his rule, but with dominion, with authority over his creation. You see, the creation of man and woman was the pinnacle of God's creation, made in his very image to display attributes of God. So when we look at one another, When we look at ourselves in the mirror, we are looking at a display of God's glory. And yet, not only do we fail to treat ourselves like that, not only do we fail to treat one another like that, rather than fixing our eyes on God, we fix our eyes, we fix our lives on things and in ways that God had never intended. And we just need to turn on the news and we very quickly realize that The world is not as it should be. My heart aches for the family of George Floyd, the African-American man who who died recently in the USA in another senseless act of brutality. And sadly, the response there of violence and looting is painful to watch. To see how we treat one another, those who are made in the image of God. And it's not just limited to that. The coronavirus, the Spanish flu of 1918, the Black Plague in the 1300s. Everywhere we look, we come face to face with pain. We come face to face with anguish, with with, with suffering, with poverty, with, with children dying from malnourishment. But it's not just what we see in, in, in around us. Friends, it's our very nature. It's the anger that we feel towards the driver who cuts us off or or tailgates us on Sheikh Zayed Road. It's the lie we tell to our boss or or to our spouse or to our children. It's the feeling of superiority we may feel when interacting with someone from a different culture to ours. It's anything and anyone that we turn to to satisfy our wants, to satisfy our needs and to satisfy our desires. As we reflect, as we contemplate this, we, we can't help but cry out, why? 
How did we get to this point? Here is the answer. Sin. All the things I've just mentioned are a result of sin. And it became part of our very DNA the moment Adam and Eve believed the lies of Satan in the Garden of Eden and ate from the tree that God commanded them not to eat from. They believed the lie that God was somehow holding something back from them. And in that moment, they declared mutiny against God. And that had dire, dire consequences for both them and for us. You see, sin broke our relationship with him. And it separated us from God. And there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that we can do to restore that. So where does it leave us? Well, if, if it were up to us, absolutely hopeless. I mean, there's nothing that we can do to change this. Nothing we can do to restore this broken relationship. Our sin, far too reprehensible. And God's holiness, far too great. But God, God in his mercy and grace sent Jesus, fully God, fully man, to live a perfect, sinless life of obedience to the Father, freely taking up the cross and offering himself up as a sacrifice on our behalf. And on that rugged cross, on the Mount of Calvary, he took upon himself the full wrath of God and punishment that each and every one of us deserve for our treason against the holy God of the universe. And in light of this, with, with, with this in mind, friends, you have one of two choices. You either reject or you repent. I urge you, do not let the sun go down today without you considering this truth. If you have questions or if you recognize that you were once an enemy of God, and even now, this very moment, you have repented, don't keep it to yourself. Reach out to someone. Reach out to one of the elders. Share it perhaps with even the person who's sitting right next to you right now. But friends, do something with it. You see, the reality is that none of us, none of us know what tomorrow may bring. It could bring a, it could bring a vaccine, right? It could bring a vaccine for corona. It could bring you a new job. It, it could bring any number of things. But here's what I do know. If you're looking for hope in anything other than Christ, you're going to be very disappointed. You see, God has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. Of all this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. And this is exactly why Paul is reminding Timothy to remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. It's not because his hope was in, in, it's, it's going to be found somehow in his earthly circumstances. It's not in avoiding death and being released. It was in Christ. And to my brothers and sisters at Redeemer who are in Christ, I wonder, where are you looking to for hope? Who are you looking to for hope? I mean, imagine this, right? Imagine that His Highness Sheikh Khalifa bin Zayed al Nahyan declared tomorrow that every single person who lives in the UAE would have all of their debt cleared, right? But not only that, every single person in the UAE, every man, every woman, and every child would now be receiving 1 million dirhams. I mean, that would be amazing, right? But here's the thing. As amazing as that seems, whatever joy that money may bring, whatever freedom you feel it would give or, or hope you find in it is, is temporary. 
You won't be able to take a single cent of that with you when this life is done. Whatever hope you would want to gain from these, whatever joy you know, this, this may, may have in, in being declared debt-free by the ruler of the UAE, we're absolutely pale in comparison to the freedom and eternal hope that is in Christ and being declared debt-free by the sovereign ruler of the universe. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Don't you just love that? I love how Paul, perhaps even looking at the very chains that are holding him, considers the word of God. That even though he's locked up, the gospel will not end with him. Although many have tried over the years, from Paul himself in the early church, the brutal communist regimes that have sought to eradicate the word of of God, the gospel has continued and will continue to be proclaimed to every tribe, to every tongue, and every nation. Therefore, as Paul says in verse 10, almost as if he's invigorated, therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect. You see, Paul wasn't a victim of his circumstances. He didn't in any way see his situation as a stumbling block or an opportunity to drown in self-pity. Whatever suffering he went through, and we know that Paul experienced more than his fair share of hardships, he says he can endure it all. He's not enduring in his own strength. He's not trying to motivate himself or or kind of gritting his teeth and just trying to bear it. No, we've already seen where Paul's hope is found. Jesus Christ risen from the dead. But Paul knew that there is a much bigger picture. The fact that there are millions of people who are yet to hear of the gospel and to surrender their lives at the foot of the cross. He endures everything so that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Do you see your circumstances the same way? Do you see your suffering the same way? Do you see every hardship, every trial, every minute of every day in this unprecedented time as an opportunity to reach people, to proclaim Christ to those around you? Are you remembering Christ, knowing that the very spirit that raised him from the dead, the very spirit that Paul gave, that gave Paul peace, hope, and purpose while in prison is the same spirit that dwells in you as a believer? A spirit, as Paul reminds Timothy in this very letter, just a few verses before, that is a spirit of power and love and self-control. Therefore, therefore, we can endure everything. Not so that we would find our own comfort, so that not so that our lives would be wonderful without issue, without trouble, but that we would seek and save the lost. Friends, in a time of fear and anxiety, what hope have you been holding out to those around you? At restrictions ease, what are you doing with your newfound freedoms? Are you hustling to make money or are you hustling to make disciples? As much as we would love to see a cure or vaccine for COVID-19, 
there are millions of people still infected with the disease of sin. And the only hope for them is found in Christ. The passage that we've been looking at this morning finishes off with this trustworthy saying, this this trustworthy statement that Paul says. He says, if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot, he cannot deny himself. You see, this is a saying that as you look at it, it, it encourages, it warns, but then it encourages it again. And it serves us so well this morning. Even in the face of death, we have hope. As we said earlier, this life is temporary. In the grand scheme of eternity, our time here on earth is but a blink of the eye. Are you living with that eternal perspective? That if you are in Christ, friend, there is a glorious future that awaits. A future where we will dwell forever in the presence of the Most High God. Christian, be encouraged. Live with this hope. But what does that mean for us now? Well, if we endure, then we also will reign with Him. Now, there's nothing in this text that even remotely suggests that the Christian life will be one of ease and and worldly blessings. The very word endure suggests struggle. No one endures a life of, of luxury and pleasure, right? But there are two beautiful truths here that we must see. Yes, we endure. We must endure, but not in our own strength. We endure because Christ endured. He endured a life without giving into temptation. He endured being beaten and tortured. He endured the cross. He endured the full weight of God's wrath. Christ is the one who through his spirit sustains us. We were never meant to endure in our own strength. And because, because he is the one who sustains us, we see this beautiful second truth that we will reign with him. Again, looking to this future when Christ will one day return, we will reign alongside him as fellow heirs. We will reign with Christ in his kingdom where there will be no more pain, where there will be no more suffering, where there will be no more coronavirus. We will be dwelling in his presence forever. But this trustworthy saying also comes with a very serious warning. You see, if we deny him, he also will deny us. This warning doesn't suggest that as Christians, if we sin, if we fail to tell someone about Jesus, if we stumble in our Christian walk, then then Christ is done done with us. No, this is concerning those who reject Christ. Those who would rather take their chances and stand before God on their own righteousness. Those who would stand before God having declared in their hearts that there is no God. This is why a message like this carries with it so much weight especially when we are faced with this pandemic that has already claimed the lives of nearly 400,000 people. Friends, I urge you again, if you have not yet responded to the gospel, do not harden your hearts. Tomorrow may be too late. Paul finishes off this section with another encouragement for believers, that even if we do struggle with our sin, 
Even if there are times when we are faithless, thanks be to God, he remains faithful. We saw that in his promise to David. In fact, we see it throughout scripture. God continues to be faithful. Why? Because he cannot deny himself. He can't. He cannot deny himself. If ever he could, he would then cease to be God. It means that somehow he's changed and God is unchanging. He is the same since before the creation of the world, the same today, and will continue to be the same forever. Forever. At the start of the sermon, we asked the question, in unprecedented times, how do we respond? Where do we turn? Friends, Paul tells us quite simply, remember Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, thanks be to God. Thanks be to you that Christ was raised from the dead. And because of that, we have an incredible, incredible hope. Father, as we consider the words from your scriptures and consider the situation that we find ourselves in. May we not be downcast. May we not be those who, who live without hope, but may we cast our eyes to the eternal hope that is found in you because of who Christ is and what he has done for us. And Lord, I pray that we would be a people that do not just sit on that, but that we would go out that we would use this time that we have, a time when people are in panic, when people are living lives of fear and anxiety and hold out the incredible hope that is found in Christ alone. And Father, we don't ask that we would do this so we could make a name for ourselves, but we ask that we would do this so that is your name that is glorified, that is your name proclaimed throughout the nations. Thank you for my brothers and sisters at Redeemer. Father, bless them, sustain them, encourage them, and use them for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.